0: Yo, this is Miles from San Francisco. I'm hanging out with my cat, Kennedy. And we're listening to Chris and Jason on the Talking Dead podcast. Enjoy! Is The Talking Dead a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead? Hello, my name is Chris, and my name is Jason, and this is The Talking Dead number 491, recorded on Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Wow. Thank you, Miles and Kennedy, for that. Indeed, you are listening to the Talking Dead podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. As I like to do in these days, just check in, make sure everyone's doing all right. And that's mostly you, Jason. Are you doing all right?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, the things are uh, normalizing. Son's back at daycare, going to Tim Hortons on a regular basis. Uh, (laughs) Seems Everything seems relatively normal, even though... Instead of going to the grocery store every other day, I haven't been in three weeks. Do you order food, order groceries online? Uh, No, I stop in at shoppers to buy milk every now and again, but that's about it. But I mean, how do you get food? Do you order for delivery or do you order and then pick it up? Oh, no, usually I just go to the grocery store when I need to buy food. We need to do a grocery shop soon, but we have a a pantry that uh, we pick at. And I set up uh, slightly before this whole fucking shit hit the fan, Uh, so there was, there's still lots of like spaghetti and pasta sauce oh, okay. and frozen meatballs and stuff. So we're still, uh, we're still fine. And I don't need to go to the grocery store except for essentials that, uh, rot on a regular basis, like milk and eggs <laughs> and cheese and bread. All right. Well, good, good. I,
0: I wasn't sure what you meant there because we've been, uh, we've been just ordering and then going and picking it up for a number of weeks now, m- months, actually. I've only been into a grocery store a couple of times near the beginning of the the shutdown and right. after that we just started ordering um we haven't done a deliver well we've done some deliveries but not a full like grocery delivery order but uh, i i don't mind the order and then go drive in don't even get out of your car they put it in your trunk and drive out
1: Yeah, no, we did that a few times. I actually still like going to the grocery store when I have to, Yeah, because yeah, I figured out a while ago that how much I spend uh, on a month at the grocery store, because I only go once a month and I spend that amount and it's about the same every time and it ain't cheap. Mm -hmm. So there it is. It's it's almost been a month, so I'll have to go soon. All right, you're you're getting there,
0: good. Well, that's good, good to hear. It must be nice to have uh, Jasper back in his daycare. That must Mostly be the, yes. That must be the biggest thing that feels back to normal.
1: It, it does, except that it's not ex- extremely normal because, uh, anyway, uh, as soon as we get there, we're not allowed in the building mm-hmm. and they come out all dressed up in, uh, like plastic clothing and face shields and stuff. Jeez. And they take everybody's temperature and they ask a whole bunch of questions about your personal health and whether you, uh, you know, have had contact with anybody with COVID. Have you been out of the country in the last 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever? no. Uh, and then they take Jasper away and then I guess hose him down when he gets in the building. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, the classroom we've peeked in, they've removed everything that's soft, uh, and uh most of the toys. So it's like a barren wasteland in there. So it's not a lot of fun and there's not a lot of kids. (laughs) So it took some getting used to for him. That doesn't sound normal at all. (laughs) No, it's not normal. Well. But he's getting used to it. He's getting used to it uh, because kids adapt quickly, right? They do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's enjoying it more and more. But at least he's out of the house. Yeah. And the other, just tonight when he was falling asleep, he asked me, do I have to go to school tomorrow? Yes. (laughs) But then it's the weekend. It's like, but after the weekend I have to go to school again, right? Yes. Like, is it going to be like that forever? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is, Jasper. (laughs) Yeah. I hate to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is it. Like. This, right. this, is, this is probably going to be your whole life. You, you, you can re- figure a way out of that fucking cycle.
0: <laughs> you do it, buddy. You're uh, four years old or whatever, and you've reached peak life. There you go.
1: Yeah, that's it. Routine <laughs> from here on in. Of course. All
0: righty. Well, uh, let's move right along here. Um, I've got a, something I want to just read here from uh listener, Simon, and this relates back to... Uh, God, it must have been a month ago now since we've only been recording every two weeks. Because it wasn't last podcast; I think it was the one before that. But Simon writes, "I was chuckling to myself at the news you guys were dying when barbecuing in 35 degree Celsius heat here in Adelaide, South Australia. I'll still happily barbecue when it's 45 degrees outside. Now, excuse me while I go put on a third layer of clothes on as the temperature has dropped below 15." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 45, oh, it can get damn hot in Australia, as I'm sure, you know, but 45 degrees is hot. I don't know. That, I've ever been alive in Toronto here and it's been 45 degrees. I don't know if it's ever been that hot here, but
1: that is unacceptable. It's, it's just unacceptable. I, I, I would never, I could never, <laughs> I mean, 35 degrees is way too hot just to begin with, but 45, I would move. Like I would abandon my house at that point. I'd be like, "That's it. I'm out of here. I'm done. This is I can't take this anymore." Uh, yeah, either I wouldn't leave the house, which is not abnormal for me, but if it was air conditioned, but I, I would, I couldn't do it. I'm flabbergasted that you'd happily barbecue in 45. I can't even imagine.
0: Simon is a man who really likes his barbecue. Clearly,
1: yeah, I mean barbecue's <laughs> nice and everything. But it is.
0: Not that nice. Anyways, I I thought that was funny. I found 35 really hot too. Uh, But, you know, Toronto is a wacky place. I don't know of any place on the planet that can be 35 degrees Celsius in the summer and like negative 35 degrees in the winter. You know, the fact that we have a 70 degree temperature swing throughout the year kind of blows my mind. And I'm sure there are lots of places that are like that, but uh, I don't know why people choose to live there.
1: I don't either. (laughs) Just just like here. Yeah.
0: Anyways, thank you, Simon, for sending that in. Okay. So we are going to talk about two episodes of the new Twilight Zone show on this uh, podcast. But I just wanted to really quickly let everyone know that next week we will be back to more Walking Dead content. And that is because San Diego Comic-Con will have happened by then. And we're going to record next week on Friday, just so that the panels have happened already earlier that day, hopefully some breaking news, and um, we will be able to talk about those at that time. The only little bit of Walking Dead information we have right now, this week, is that showrunner Angela Kang came out and confirmed that they will be announcing the Walking Dead finale air date at San Diego Comic-Con, I presume during the panel which is next Friday. Uh, So we will know finally when Walking Dead season 10 will wrap up um, in about a week's time.
1: Right. And do we know how these panels are being streamed yet? Have we, have we figured that out? And by we, I mean you, Uh,
0: you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the information will be on the San Diego Comic-Con at home website. I don't know the details exactly, like if you mean if it'll be accessible over YouTube or or some other streaming platform or what the deal is, but uh, I'm sure it'll all, all the information will be there. I haven't been to the site in a few days, so they may have updated it already um, since I last looked, but uh, I'm sure you can find it out by going to the site. I I, try that. I plan on watching them, um, next Friday at what is 11, 12 and 1 PM for the three shows. So that or 12, one and two. Uh, but it's next Friday, middle of the day, and then we'll record a podcast Friday night. So we can talk about anything that happened, uh, including the walking dead finale air date, which I'm really excited to find out about. I hope they don't say, yeah, it won't be until December. (laughs) That would piss me off. (laughs)
1: 2026. Is when we're planning on having this show, uh, the final episode of this show. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to come sooner than that people.
0: So, um, let's, let's get that sucker out sometime. Let's say in August by the latest. Although my gut tells me they're going to, of course, air it in conjunction with the premiere of some, of something else, like the next season of Fear or the premiere of World Beyond or, or whatever, but. Yeah, well, I just don't want to have to wait. I'm impatient at this point.
1: Well, and you should also prepare yourself for it'll air on Sunday, <laughs> as in two days after the panel. Because, well, that's the minimum, right? Uh, so they could just say, "Yeah, it's ready. It's in the can. It's going to air in a couple of days." Okay. Uh, so we have to. We just have to be mentally prepared for that eventuality. It may not come to pass, and it probably won't. But I think that. Uh, no, we should just uh, we should be prepared for that. You know what? I think that would be a wonderful
0: turn of events. That would be such a surprise to everyone. You know,
1: it would be. I mean, I've complained. Comic comes over. There's hype. Yeah. Uh, because of Comic Con, like it's over, like just barely. Uh, I assume it ends on Sunday at some point. So, I think you know it's within the realm of possibility, even though it's not anywhere near the realm of probability. Yeah, all we'd have to prepare for in that case is you know,
0: recording our recap of it, uh, a couple of days later. So yeah. I think we could make that happen, but I think that would be great. I've complained in the past about the walking dead announcing things that I wish they wouldn't announce. I mean, obviously they're announcing them so they can promote and market and stuff like that. But sometimes I would just rather there be a little bit more surprise sometimes. So I think this would be a fun surprise. Tell us mm-hmm. on Friday that it's going to air on Sunday And everyone will be amped and pumped up about that and, you know, having a good time. So do it. Do it, AMC. Come on. I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll work. All right. Time to move away from Walking Dead, at least for now, and talk about The Twilight Zone.
1: You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into The Twilight Zone.
0: So we're going to talk about two episodes of the new Twilight Zone series. It would be season two, episode two, and season two, episode three, even though in my notes I wrote season one, episode two. Luckily, I can think on the fly. Uh, We're going to do them in order. The first one is titled Downtime. It stars Marina Bachran, Coleman Domingo, who you may know from a certain Walking Dead show. Yes. I thought he did a great job. Yeah sarinda swan and tony hale also make appearances in this episode
1: when i saw tony hale in the in the opening credits i'm like fucking tony hale that's awesome i love tony hale he's like one of my favorites he's fantastic i mean so good on veep right oh so good he in everything he does like uh, arrested development friggin' fantastic veep fantastic uh he played forky on uh, that new <laughs> yeah. uh, Toy Story, uh, which is fantastic, and there's a there's a, sh- a bunch of shorts on uh, the Disney Plus app. Uh, it says Forky asks a question. Uh-huh. You should watch those because he just he just asks questions, uh, and he's got a, he's also has a cartoon. I forget it's what it was called. We were just watching it today. That Jasper really loves that he uh, helms. He's I think he's one of the showrunners, mm-hmm. and he's a voice actor on, and it's absolutely brilliant.
0: Well, Tony Hale's a great, a great guy. I, I should check out the Forky stuff. Does he ask questions and then the other characters like answer them?
1: Yeah. He gets in and asks a question, like how do computers work? And then uh, the dinosaur uh, oh. teaches him about computers, but it, he does it in, you know, Forky's mannerisms. Sure. Forky's awesome. Forky and is was, awesome. There's, <laughs> I do this all the time for Jasper. Uh, there's one of them where he's talking about, uh, what is it, Bonnie? Bonnie is the, uh, the little girl in the fourth, uh, the third and fourth Toy Story. Sure. Um, uh, Bonnie's mom has a cup, which he's sure is called uh, What? No. That's the name of the cup. <laughs> what? No. Because that's what she says all the time when she's drinking coffee out of the cup and talking on the phone. Yeah, of course. What? No. <laughs> that's amazing. It I is. like
0: that. Forky's good. Forky's awesome. Well, IMDb describes this episode as after a woman is promoted to hotel manager, the nature of her reality is called into question. And this is what our narrator, Jordan Peele, had to say about it.
1: Michelle Weaver is a woman who's worked her entire life to get where she is in the world. Now, as this new chapter begins, it's the world itself that's about to change. She's about to take a break from life as she knows it and book an extended stay here in the Twilight Zone.
0: I, I think Jordan Peele's great. I, I love he is him, great. Man. He he yeah. does such a good job with those little brief monologues, uh, just like Rod Serling did, of course. But Jordan Jordan Peele's amazing.
1: I want him to read audiobooks so I can listen to them and fall asleep. Hey, that's
0: that's good. And falling asleep is not an insult. That that can be a good thing. No,
1: sometimes. that uh, yeah, I was uh, talking about this uh, earlier. I usually have to have some kind of audio on at all times because I my tinnitus is starting to really bother me. And, uh, if I have something, if I'm, if everything's quiet, I get irritated and annoyed. So I have to have some kind of audio. So I've been falling asleep to podcasts and, and, uh, audio books. Oh,
0: good. Well, that's, that's nice. I'm, I'm sorry to hear your tinnitus is getting worse, but
1: what can you do? You're getting old.
0: It's
1: going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I was a drummer for a very, very long time. I damaged the shit out of my hearing. That sucks. So
0: this episode, Jason, um, Basically, as as described here, you know, Marina Baccarin stars as this character, Michelle, who is promoted to manager of a hotel. But as soon as that happens, something really weird takes place in her world. And that is that this giant eyeball appears in the sky and everybody goes into some kind of trance when they they look up at it. And what I thought was interesting is that the... "Quote unquote twist for this episode comes pretty early on. I'd say maybe a third of, of the way in when we're told that most people know exactly what's happening. And in fact, this is downtime in the world and they simply accept it. Right. Yeah. Guess, um, uh,
1: guess at what point I figured out what was going on. <laughs> I don't know. The moment the eyeball appeared. No, before that it was when, uh, she was getting promoted and her manager, uh, she said, what are you going to do now that you've retired or you're retiring? I said, I don't know, become a CEO or a rock star? Rock uh-huh, star? Uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's a video game.
0: Well, it's not a video game. It's sort <laughs> of a... I
1: know, but that's what I my my immediate thought was, oh, they're in a video game. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> So he's retiring from this one. Yeah. And he's going to roll a new character. I suppose you weren't too far off. That's true. Um,
0: but this this thing appears. We, we discover that the world has gone into downtime, which very, sounds very much... Like a video game, right? Yeah. Um and and the drama of drama of the episode comes, at least at first, from Michelle not really understanding or remembering what's happening. But shortly after that, and again, not that far into the episode, more is revealed to us as the audience by these tech support skateboard kids, who I thought was a, a strange choice for in like in-world tech support, but they basically explain that the world is essentially a simulation that people can live in while they're asleep. So it's a service you can purchase for in the real world when you go to sleep, you can inhabit a character in this sort of dream world. And they actually refer to it as a game. Yeah, a shared dream, that's right.
1: So which, uh, the internal consistency of the world breaks down because of that. And I'll I'll get to that a little bit later, which kind of irritated me about this uh, particular episode. Okay. Okay. because the, what they, first of all, let's address the, uh, the skateboard kids, uh, tech support or admins or customer service agents or whatever they were, uh, chances are they're going to be kids, right? Uh, they're going to be young, young adults, uh, working and the first line of support are going to be young, young people that go in and around. They wouldn't just be riding skateboards. They'd be uh, able to clip or fly. Uh, the only real experience I have with admins is through uh, that online video game Rust. I don't know if anybody ever plays plays Rust, the most toxic video game ever created. Uh, with like the sheer volume of uh, assholes and racial slurs in this game is staggering staggering. Maybe you but should step away from that if that, if I have. That I've stepped away from it for a little while, but I'll go back. Okay. I think of it as a squirrel simulator where I just, I go in and gather things like, uh, you know, a little bit of wood, a little bit of, uh, stone, and then I bury it in the ground so that nobody takes it. And then, but there's lots of, anyway, uh, the only experience I have is with tech support, um, or admins on this, uh, particular game and they fly around and they have... Uh, commands where they can actually teleport themselves to a particular player. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to go. Shit, where is she? I better skateboard around in this reality to just try and eyeball somebody. Uh, even though they're an admin, yep. they'd have tools to be teleporting around and flying through walls and going under. Like they, they could turn off the clipping into you know terrain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the I so I lost a little bit of respect for the show because of these you know, tech support peons wandering around like chumps. You know, I didn't really think of that, but it,
0: it does make sense when you mention it. I just thought to myself, why, why skateboard kids as tech support, they could make them look or appear like anything they wanted. I didn't really think about the actions and the tools they would have in the world, but I don't know. It, skateboard kids seemed like a random choice for me, even though, as you said, yeah, maybe they would be young and hip, but, uh. They could have done that in a better way, if, if you ask me. But you're right. Yeah. Th- there's, there's other problems with it too.
1: Yeah. And I, I think as far as downtime goes, because uh, the, the, this world was, downtime for, uh, was down for world maintenance. Mm-hmm. And my initial thought there was, shit, we really could use some world maintenance on this fucking world. Oh,
0: we? good Lord. If we went into some downtime right now just to fix a few bugs in the real world, holy moly, that would be great.
1: Yeah, this particular world has literally caught a virus and we need some antivirus, uh, antiviral uh, software. Uh, just shut the thing down for like, I don't care, a month. Do it. Shut it down. If I'm not going to be conscious, I don't give a shit. Shut <laughs> her down. Clean it up. Reboot from a save. I don't even care about that. Let's all go back to January. Right? <laughs> Seriously, eh? <laughs> if we could reboot this
0: thing from a save point in the middle of January and we just start over from there, let's do yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Let's do it. What? Yeah. Where's our previous safe save? Like, did we, did we hit a checkpoint in 2019 maybe? Could we, could we all go back? I don't care. I don't know. Someone,
0: the save file got corrupted and we can't go back. We have, we're stuck in this world now. So we have to fix it and then make a new save point.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, guess. Okay. Well, that's fine. As long as we can make a save point at some point, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be fine. I'd go back to 1987. Really? The beginning of high school for me, if I may show my age. Yeah. Let's just do all, you know, that's fine. <laughs> just, it's fine. Run through from there again.
0: You won't make the same mistakes twice.
1: <laughs> well, I probably do exactly everything exactly the same, but I'd, I'd want to, because, uh-huh. you know, every, every mistake and stupid thing I ever did, uh, led me to the life I have right now and the family I have right now and the friends I have right now. And I don't think I'd trade that in for any, anything. Well, that's nice. So, that's nice of you. So I'd go back and do all that shit again. Okay. Just to make sure. No regrets. So, um,
0: in terms of even more information coming through this episode is yeah. that they reveal that the reason Michelle doesn't know what's going on, doesn't understand what the, the downtime that's happening is that the man in the real world who was sort of playing her has had a heart attack and is in a coma. And this kind of happened at the moment that the downtime was starting. And so her, her, character or the character got messed up and doesn't know what's going on so we, we we find out a lot about what's happening in this world sort of right off the bat or definitely in the first half and we're not left wondering right uh which yeah. I, which i liked because and I, and I thought that was a good choice for this one because the one thing that occurred to me when it all started happening the big eyeball in the sky is that i initially found it really unbelievable that every other person in this universe would just look up at it, instantly become mesmerized, except for this one Michelle. To me, it was inconceivable that she'd just kind of ignore the giant eye in the sky. Because it seemed to me like the act of looking at it is what was putting them into the trance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if a giant eye appeared in my sky above my house, I'd probably look at it you know, and wonder what it was. And the fact that she was able to not do that... I found unbelievable.
1: Well, I have two things to say about that. One is, um, I, th- I initially thought that when this was, when aliens were invading and everybody was looking and getting hijacked by the aliens, uh, that there was something special about her. Cause the last Twilight episode I watched was about a couple of people that had something special about them. And even the next episode I watched after this one was about somebody who was special and something special could happen to them. So my brain Im- immediately thought, oh, there's something special about her. It's not mm-hmm. that she was ignoring it or willful uh, and everybody else was willfully allowing themselves to be taken over by this giant eye- alien eyeball. Mm-hmm. I thought there was something special about her. Uh, and that's where the episode was going. I mean, ultimately it's true. There's something special about her. She's, yep. she's a guy in a coma. <laughs> she is. Yes. If you
0: can call that special. Uh, and, later, and later died. Uh, yes, the guy later dies. That's right. So at this point though, part, yeah, okay. We'll talk about that. Later. Well, I mean, at this point, um, it's, it's sort of brought to us that the, she needs to unsync. She needs to, uh, disconnect from the guy in the coma, I guess is what they were going for. And that we're told at least at this point that the person, his name is Phineas, the guy playing her in the real world or who's in the coma. We're told that he'll die if she doesn't unsink before the downtime is complete. And so the question becomes what should she do? Save herself or sacrifice herself because technically she's not real, and this yep. other person in the coma is real. Um, and and that's a I mean, that's an interesting question, I guess, but it's not that unique a question, and in fact, they don't take that long to answer it because. She immediately chooses to save herself. She doesn't have any real concern for Phineas, because as far as Michelle is concerned, she's a real entity. She's a real thing or person that lives in this world, right?
1: Yeah. And it's very difficult for us humans to uh, sacrifice ourselves for an unknown or uh, an un for an other, let's just say, because mm-hmm. there's, there's us and them. We have this very big as humans, we have an us and them mentality and you know what us includes is dependent on our social structure, but, uh, essentially, uh, you know, it'd be very difficult as a human being to sacrifice yourself for an unknown them, mm-hmm. for a theoretical them, even though you've been told about them, it's still uh, that them is not us. So, and it's definitely not me, it's me, us, them, which is that hierarchy. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Sacrificing yourself for a known us or an, uh, uh, you, you know, for someone you know or a group of people that you know, a lot of people would do that. I personally have come to the conclusion that I would do that years ago. I've, I, I knew I'd learned that about myself that if given the choice to sacrifice myself to save someone I know or love, I would not hesitate. And so, but it's very difficult for us, it would be difficult for me to do that for someone that they told me about. Yeah. Right? If you die, uh, you can save someone else. I mean, that's true today. If I killed myself and sacrificed my organs and that were donated to someone to help them live, would I do that? The answer is absolutely not. Uh Uh-huh right? Yeah. I'm not going to kill myself in order to save a theoretical unknown other person, even though I have, you know, signed up to be an organ donor. Mm-hmm. And that if and if and when that ever happens, sure, do that. But I'm not going to kill myself in order to accomplish that.
0: No. Well, they try to complicate the question a
1: little bit here by introducing
0: another character into the dream world, which is the wife of Phineas, the guy who's in the coma. She comes in to try to appeal to Michelle to say, you know what, you know, he's my husband. I love him. I don't want to lose him and so on. Uh, but this doesn't sway her decision at all. It, it, I mean, in fact, Michelle tricks the woman into, uh, you know, into becoming entranced by the eyeball so she can get away from her. So, you know, Michelle does not hesitate to make that decision to sac- to save herself. And you're right. I don't think it's all that difficult to believe because again it's the unknown like you said it's it's this unknown person that she doesn't even really truly know if what she's been told is real at this point right
1: yeah and I knew I kind of knew she would make that decision because I was thinking this is exactly what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in uh, uh, wasn't it that movie where he had to get his ass to Mars Total recall Total Recall. He did the same thing, right? His wife showed up and said, you're, you know, you're having a freak out in the Total Recall booth. Uh-huh. Just take this pill, uh, which represent, which is not real, but represents you killing yourself. And, uh, he totally didn't like save himself and he, he killed everybody in the room. So I knew that, uh, Cohagen, Cohagen, whatever, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, he made that decision. So I kind of figured that, uh, uh, that she would make that same decision.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and she does. Um, but they continue coming after her. Um, and eventually, you know, she encounters, uh, Tony Hale who plays the sort of next level tech support. Uh, Gee, brilliantly, in my opinion. Brilliantly. He was only in, you know, the last scene more or less, the last little bit, uh, similar to, um, Coleman Domingo, who, who we should mention, you know, he plays Michelle's husband. He's only in one scene when she goes home to try and figure out what's going on. And, you know, he tells <laughs> he, her, oh, I forgot it's the downtime. I got to go outside and stare at the eyeball, but he does it in the accent of the person who's asleep playing him. And it was great. Yeah,
1: He he, he dropped character and it was genius.
0: It, it was really good. It was, uh, Irish, maybe sort of Irish I'm, accent. I couldn't tell you. I'm bad at, uh, I'm bad at accents. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great. He was really good in, in the small part. Nice to see Coleman as well. Um, but then, uh. You know, so Tony Hale comes along and he, he sort of explains it to her again and sort of gives her the option. But he also tells her that Phineas, the guy asleep, actually killed himself. Uh, He took a bunch of sleeping pills in order to, in order to kill himself. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was because he decided that, he was more comfortable in this character than he was in real life as Phineas. And he wanted to, to maintain this character. He wanted to become her basically and live out the rest of his days or, or time or whatever, although he's dead, but he wanted to like let her survive and sacrifice himself. So the, the actual sacrificial decision came on his part rather than on hers, even though in a way they're the same person.
1: Yeah, and this is where the narrative broke down for me. Mm-hmm. Because the uh the the little video that the uh the tech support or the customer support people made her watch yeah. was like you put this ear thing on and while you're sleeping we'll use your brain as a computer in order to uh have this shared dream experience. Yeah. Right? So sh- they're not uploading their consciousnesses into a computer system for the night while their bodies sit there I don't even know doing what. They're actually dreaming. They're they're still, their brains are still working and having this shared dream experience. Mm-hmm. So if you die in that, your character does not live on. No. It, I, does, I, it doesn't make any
0: sense. No, I, I understand that it doesn't. It, at the very least, like maybe someone else would go into that
1: character another another time, right? Maybe. I mean, I, well, we don't know how, that, how this works, right? Whether you roll this character when you, you, you know, you generate a new character or you can add, uh, inhabit a random one. Uh, you know, it's a dream world. Are the, are the, are the characters in this dream world shared or are they unique to individuals? And if he, like if somebody dies, their character, uh, in this world goes away.
0: Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, I, I found that a little bit weird too, to be honest, it doesn't make too much sense, but on another level, I actually appreciated this ending because I think one of the things the episode was really about is feeling, comfortable in your own skin and kind of being who you really are. And I think, I think what they were getting at here, aside from the inconsistencies with does the character exist or not when the sleeping person is dead, I think what they were getting at was like Phineas wasn't really comfortable with who he was in the real world. He identified more with Michelle, this character in the dream world, and he wanted to sort of become her in a way. Whether it makes sense or not, that's kind of what I took out of it. And it was a bit bittersweet, almost a bit of a happy ending because he kind of got what he wanted in the end. And the fact that um, the final scene is Michelle working back at the hotel behind the desk and Phineas's wife walks in and wants to book a room. And you could tell there's a bit of a connection between them. I think his wife has realized that there's something left of her husband in Michelle and he, she would rather come and be with her slash him or whatever part of him is left than not have him at all.
1: Yeah. And it was
0: nice. And, and I liked that bit about it. I mean, just the, the theme of, of really being true to yourself. And then the fact that Phineas's wife kind of accepted that and went with it, I thought was quite nice. So, you know, the sort of inconsistencies aside, the ending for those other reasons I thought really worked.
1: Yeah. And I think what, uh, the, the, the aspect I liked the most about this whole episode was when, uh, uh she, Tony Hill was there getting her to sign that document saying, you know, just sign this thing and you can live on as this character. And she said, how can I live? How can I inhabit myself when I know the world isn't real? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I go on when I know that this is all meaningless? So, and that to me was like, well, that's, that's a, that's a compelling, uh, you know, philosoph philosophical, uh, you know, existential decision you have to make. Uh-huh. Like the world is meaningless. How do you go on? Uh, can you go on when you really truly believe the world is meaningless? And, you know, ultimately our world is not meaningless. So it's not really a, a, a true decision, but for her, uh, the world is meaningless it's just a dream world it's 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 not real it's it's they're not real people they're just characters they're just uh they it's a shared dream experience it's not real how do you go on knowing that the world is not real I, but then again nobody thinks the world is real right they all know that they're playing a dream game and that this is not real they they all
0: know that but also i mean that's a that's a deep thought though, because like a huge part, and I think what they were getting at in this episode too, a huge part of what you, uh, what you think is real or what you create for yourself is generated from your past experiences. Right. And they went out of their way in this episode to let us know that Michelle, you know, were had been working for this promotion forever for her entire adult life. Maybe, you know, she was at a place here that she truly believed you know, she was, she was supposed to be in a job she was really good at. They, they made a point to show us that she was really good at her job. Right. So it it may not be real, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's meaningless, especially to the individual.
1: Yeah. I guess that's true. So I also can't imagine wanting to go to sleep and then working at a Fucking hotel, <laughs> like,
0: man. right? You know, it's like,
1: this is the dream world I could do and be anything I want. And then at the, the last scene, we are panning away and you hear construction work going on. It's like, if somebody chose to be those construction workers, they decided this is a great idea. I'm going to friggin' use a jackhammer for a while. I mean, I can understand that. Sure. I think it'd be kind of fun, but yeah. you know, that's their job now <laughs> while they're asleep. Instead of their regular job, they're doing this job. Hey,
0: to, you got to do you, man. To each their own. You do what you want to do. And there's plenty of people out there that might want to do
1: that. Um, There'd be a hell, like the, the, the rock star to construction worker ratio in this dream world would be way <laughs> skewed. <laughs> way right? off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. Like how many, uh, you know, how many people in video games, even mos- massively multiplayer online video games, uh, work in a kitchen? Right? Yeah. They're they're mostly like warlocks and wizards and fighters and tanks and whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what? I really like this game. This is a fantastic game. I wonder if I can go find a kitchen somewhere where I can wash pots. Well, you know what? The world <laughs> needs dishwashers and. Oh, absolutely. So does, so do virtual worlds. Yeah, but. I know what you're saying. choose that as your dream? <laughs> I know, like I know. It, literally your dream job in a slightly different context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either way, um,
0: it, I did watch this one twice and the first watch through, I had many more of these sort of questions like what the hell, but the second watch through, I really picked up on it a lot more and I understood what Phineas was going for and I understood what Michelle wanted and, and how Phineas's wife, you know, came at the end. And I thought ultimately it all works, worked pretty well, this one, uh, even though, even though it's not on the surface um, super obvious, I thought so. Um, one one other thing I wanted to ask you about is early on when she's sitting there in her boss's office and he's giving her the the uh, promotion, she tells this story. I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah. So she tells this story, and it's a it's a fun story, and I understand what it meant within the context of of the episode and the scene. But one of the characters in the story. Is, uh, or there's a line that she says that everybody in Canada is either a hooker, a hooker or a hockey player. Uh-huh. And I want to know if this is new. Is this some kind, I've never heard that before about Canadians. And no, I, I, is this some kind of Canadian joke that I don't know about? Or did Jordan Peele invent this? Cause he wrote this I episode, think, I
1: think. I'm pretty sure he invented it. It's and not, it's
0: not a thing. There aren't people sitting around, you know, in other countries no, going, those Canadians are all hookers all or nice hockey players.
1: People. They think we're all nice people that, uh, make maple syrup and, uh, eat pineapple on our pizzas. Well, okay. But that could be true in addition to this,
0: but I'm just, yeah. I've never heard it before. And I thought, I thought I knew all the sort of Canadian jokes.
1: No, he made it up. Okay. And, and, you know, quite frankly, uh, you play hockey. I don't. What does that say about me? Yeah. Good question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, we're probably going to have people writing in now saying, no, no, everyone here in uh, in Finland thinks that Canadians are hookers or hockey players. Come on. Isn't that common knowledge?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Finland. I don't know. There are a lot of hockey players in <laughs> Finland too. Well, Finland is the Canada of Europe. Is it? Or is it Sweden? <laughs> I think it's Finland. Okay. It's maybe Finland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Finland. All right. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure why, but I'm pretty sure.
0: It just is. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's Twilight Zone season two, episode two. It was called Downtime. I thought it was quite good. Next, we're going to move on to uh, season two, episode three. And uh, listen to this. Hey guys, it's Jeremy from Indie. And I know you didn't ask for a title read for this week, but I just couldn't resist. So here you go.
1: The who of you. Who, 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 who.
0: Thank you, Jeremy, for that. That is of course his version of who are you by the rock band, the who, but the title of this episode is the who of you. And it stars Ethan Embry, Daniel Sunjata or Sunyata, Mel Rodriguez, and Billy Porter. IMDb says a struggling actor risks everything to catch his big break, but an impulsive scheme takes a few unexpected turns. And Mr. Narrator had this to say.
1: Meet Harry Pine. Up until now, he's failed to realize that he's not the center of the world. But as you can see, he's also not entirely himself at
0: the moment. Harry's mind is an uninvited guest in an unfamiliar
1: body. He's about to go on a journey of self-discovery. The kind that's only possible here in the Twilight Zone.
0: Indeed, only possible here in the Twilight Zone. So Ethan Embry, who you will remember uh from all kinds of things, I guess, including Walking Dead, for really yep. in one episode or two. Not very many. Something
1: like that, not very many. Yeah.
0: Ethan Embry plays Harry on this episode. He's a struggling actor. He hasn't gotten any roles in a while. His relationship with his girlfriend isn't going that well because, well, one of the reasons is because she's a successful actor, and I think they're having a little tension over that. He's at the end of his rope. He's got no money. He decides to rob a bank because he thinks money will solve all of his problems. And during the robbery, he has some kind of mind episode, and his consciousness transfers into somebody else. Yeah. In fact... As the episode goes on he discovers that he can transfer into anybody he looks in the eye because first it's the bank teller then it's a police officer uh, and then followed by a bunch of other people in the episode and um, we basically kind of follow his him jumping around through different people trying to get away with this bag of money that he was stealing from the bank in the first place and one important thing i think about this is that uh, it's not a, it's not a chain of people, right? When he yeah. jumps into somebody and then somebody else, their consciousness doesn't go into the last person; it goes back into his original body. And I think this was an important detail for the episode because it made it, it made it much easier to keep track of what was going on and who's who.
1: Well, it did. It made it easier to keep track, and it informed the ending that uh, that we had for the episode. Like it was important to the uh, how the whole thing ended. Yeah. Yeah. It was very
0: much, but at, before I realized that's how it was going to work for some reason, I assumed it was going to be, you know, he goes into like, or the, the person he takes over, goes into the last person he was in. Right. And I thought, oh my God, if they keep doing this, I'm going to lose track of what's going on unless this is really, really clearly done, or maybe they limit it to a very small number of people. But in the end he, he jumps into Probably eight or 10 people by the, mm-hmm. by the, by the end of the episode.
1: I guess at the beginning, I was assuming, uh, like when he jumped into the first person, I thought, you know, it was just, it was a direct swap. Uh-huh. And then when he jumped into, uh, Mel Rodriguez after that, who was nice to see, he's lost a lot of weight since, uh, he was on Last Man on Earth. It's looking good. Holy moly. Are you right? Like, yeah, you know,
0: Mel Rodriguez, he, frankly, he was obese in Last Man on Earth. Now he is remarkably
1: thinner. Yep. No, doing, doing, uh, doing well. Amazing. I, I want to see him in more stuff. He's great. He is good. I, Last Man on Earth was the first
0: where I discovered him. Uh, and yeah. it it took me a minute to recognize him in this, but my wife said, that's the guy from Last Man on Earth. I'm like, no,
1: but it is. He was, he was yeah. great. It took me a while to figure it out, but I got, I got there. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. He's either, a, uh, he either plays a cop or the guy in Last Man on Earth. like everything I've ever seen him in, he's either been a cop or it's been Last Man on Earth. Okay. Well, this is me too, in
0: fact, because those are the two things I've seen him do.
1: (laughs) I saw him in something else where he was a cop and I'm trying to look it up right now. Anyway, uh, when he switched into then, I thought uh, when he switched into Mel Rodriguez, I thought it was going to be a a Lego head thing, right? Where you take Lego minifigures and you just swap their heads and then you move on and you swap their heads and you keep moving and you're swapping their heads and you get all confused as to whose head's who. At that point, right? well, I would. But this way it's, it's always swapping back with the original uh, bearded dude. Yes, so uh, that was that was nice to be able to keep track of it uh, and opened up a lot of interesting possibilities for right? sure. So because you get back as soon as he jumped into somebody else, you get your original body back, which was nice because the other way is kind of just mean. I mean, the whole thing's mean anyway, but it's just like, you're all of a sudden you're stuck. Everybody, like as you travel through the world into, you know, body to body to body, you're really fucking shit up because even though your mind, uh, your consciousness moves, uh, your memories go with you. Uh Uh-huh. Like you, when he's in somebody else's body, he's got nothing. He doesn't know a name. He doesn't know where their keys are. He doesn't know where they live. It's like trying to live that person's life would be virtually impossible. Yeah. I mean, you could learn your address from your, uh, from your driver's license. You probably have keys in your pocket, but you know, when you unlock that door, how many people are going to be in that house? Like you have no idea. Yeah, that's true. You don't know what's going on. Hi, honey, I'm home. (laughs) And there's nobody there. Or, uh, you walk in and you got a wife and seven kids and it's like, fuck, I don't know any of your names. (laughs) That's right. I got a
0: lot to learn here. Yeah, no.
1: I mean, at least the, the first lady had an excuse. This was such a traumatic experience that I seem to have some kind of amnesia. And then people, once you admit that you have amnesia and you can tie it to a specific tra- traumatic event, you were just robbed at gunpoint. Uh, at that point, people help you out. Oh, your name is this. You live here. Uh, this is your husband. These are your kids. Uh, you know, this is your life. And if you have questions, you can ask questions and just feign amnesia. Mm-hmm. Th- you never recover from it, but you can live that life.
0: I suppose you could, but you're right. It would be, it would really mess things up if if it was a chain rather than always jumping back to the original. So yeah. I think it was a great decision that they went that way. Um, and while all this is happening, we've got a detective uh, who is investigating the bank robbery. He thinks he has the guy in custody because Ethan Embry was picked up at the scene. Um, but as we go through, every once in a while there's a new personality in his his body which is very confusing initially to the cop but i really enjoyed watching the police officer the detective slowly um sort of come to terms with what's going on and in a way figure it out uh and i thought this was you know this is due to really good writing in the episode probably um Ethan Embry, when he has to play other characters in his body, he always seems to say, I felt, say the right things for a guy who was in the wrong body. You know, he, 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 he was equally hysterical and freaked out, but, you know, also being like, what the hell just happened? I was just sitting in a cafe or, or whatever, you know, something like that. So I thought it all worked really well, and he, he even had to play a 10-year-old or 10-ish year-old kid at one point, right? And I thought he portrayed the fear that a child would feel suddenly being in, the, in a different body really well. Um, I think
1: that kid did a really good job of playing an adult playing a kid. Also I thought true. that was really, really well done. I, I I was very impressed with that kid's acting ability.
0: Also very true, absolutely. And I think, I think everybody in this episode was great in that respect in a in a pretty tough situation where they all had to like be one character but be another one in a way right like they were all doing multiple things the kid was funny at the end when you've got uh you've got (laughs) the detective and you've got um ethan Embry, but they're in each other's bodies and they both do something bad and the kid goes who the hell is the bad guy here (laughs) (laughs) i thought i thought that was really really funny but you're right the kid was good Ethan Embry was good. They were all really good at this, but the progression of it, of watching the cop initially be very skeptical and not understand what was going on because, you know, Ethan Embry every few minutes was like, I'm somebody else. Who the hell are you talking about? I, I just enjoyed him watching him figure that out. And I think that's a testament to the writing and the acting. So yeah. um, that was really good. Uh, And then they introduced this one, like, psychic character who I I don't mean is actually psychic, but is like a, a medium that you go and pay money for to, And, you know, they tell your future or whatever. I thought that was a brilliant addition too, because he's the only guy in the episode that purposefully switches or goes into Harry's body to find out where, you know, Harry's original body is, find out what it's like. And even in that scene where they're sitting there in his, uh, studio, what do you call a place where a psychic works?
1: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) His His
0: workplace. Room, whatever. They're sitting in there and I thought it was a great, uh, it it provided a sounding board for Harry to talk about his experience transferring bodies a little bit, right? And it, it was an opportunity to explain how it made him feel to the audience a little bit. It expands his character a little bit. He talks a bit about, you know, his life being in the shithole and, and why he was trying to do this. So, I thought it was a great addition of a character for that reason but also because he was the only one that that purposefully switched just to find out what it was like and what was going on. So, I thought that was that was really good too.
1: Yeah, and then right after he was done, he's like, "No, I'm a scam scam artist, but you know, you're being an asshole." Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I may be a scam artist, but you're an asshole. What's what's yeah. worse, right?
0: Um the only thing about this one that i was a little disappointed in is that at one point harry realizes he can jump into some into another body at a distance and i i didn't love that i preferred it when he had to be up close with the person and like really look them in the eye to transfer over because there's that scene it's nighttime so it's dark he jumps into one person like down the street then he jumps across the street into somebody else then back across the street into the old guy right And I'm like, this makes it too easy. It's too easy for him to do this. I think it should be more difficult for him to make the transfer or at least require the face-to-face connection, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, instead of looking at somebody in the eye, you have to lick them. I don't know. Something (laughs) up close and personal.
0: You know what? An up close and personal stare in the eyeballs, that's fine with me. I don't think we need actual (laughs) tongue to cheek contact or anything, but yeah, okay. Well,
1: whatever, you know, it's, you know, strange times.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Of course. Strange times. Um, but that's, I think that's really the only thing I can say about this episode that I didn't enjoy. I think everything else about it was, was really solid. And, um, you know, we need to talk about the ending of this one, uh, because again, like the last episode, I think the ending of this one really, really works well. Um, what happens is Harry ends up in the cop's body, uh, and the cop is in him. So it looks like the, um, it, Harry with the cop in him, it's, it's going to be confusing to explain. I probably shouldn't even try, but it looks like Harry is threatening everyone when really it's the police officer doing his job. The other yeah. cops bust in, they kill, um, they kill Harry no, they kill <laughs> they kill who looks the cop who looks like Harry who's Ethan Embry. Yes. And then the police officer with Harry's consciousness in him gets to live on.
1: Yes, and can't transfer anymore. And can't transfer anymore. He's Cuz there's no vessel for that person that he transfers to yeah. to inhabit. Right. So he's stuck in
0: there and so now Harry is living in this other body as this other person. So um like that's kind of enough of an ending, but it doesn't actually end there. What happens is he, he goes back home to meet his girlfriend and it turns out the affair, She it turns out she was having an affair with this police officer, coincidentally, um, who Harry now looks like, <laughs> right. right? I don't know if anyone could follow that, but it's, yeah. it's pretty shocking And not only that, but it turns out that Harry is now suddenly a better actor because the final scene of the episode is him auditioning and getting a role. And I'm like, okay, he's learned what it's like to inhabit other people's bodies and characters, and he can now do this again. He's he can become another person as an actor because he literally became another person after trying to rob a bank.
1: Yes, well, I, I thought yes, that was part of it. The other part of it is uh, he's a much better, better-looking man at this point. And if you're a a very, very good-looking man and you have some acting chops, you're probably going to get more roles than uh, an actor who is has some acting chops and is not that good-looking. Ah. Uh... I don't know. If you got lots you of get, acting you jobs. Get, you get more lead parts. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right? You'd be more of a character actor, unless, of course, you're Steve Buscemi, <laughs> uh, and uh, then you get whatever you want, right? And I think somebody, I heard an interview with uh, Steve Buscemi one time, and he said, you, you know, you really have a distinctive smile. Have you ever thought about getting braces? It's like, do you think I would get the jobs that I would get if I fixed my teeth? <laughs> Absolutely knows,
0: not. <laughs> he knows what he's good at. He knows what he's known for. Yeah, well, so this was like, you know, twist after twist, really. And I got to admit, this felt like just classic Twilight Zone stuff to me, right? You know, he he ends up in this other body. He goes home. His girlfriend was having an affair with this guy, totally unknown. It makes him a better, it makes him better at his job. And it all relates, at least that does, Because, you know, people talk about inhabiting characters all the time. This was a literal sort of portrayal of that. And uh, I loved it. it. I thought it was really well done. I, you know, I could see that final scene coming where they're in each other's bodies and the police come and kill the wrong person. That's, you know, that's not uncommon. That happens in stories,
1: you know. Uh, Yeah. It's similar to the. If if you're in an altercation, and, uh, the cops come in and you're the guy with the gun, they're going to be focused on you.
0: Yes, they are. Absolutely.
1: But it's, it's similar to the whole like
0: doppelganger thing that you see where two people look exactly the same and who's the real Jason, is it you or you? And you know, you, you see that trope in, in stories sometimes. This is kind of like that too, where they've swapped and everyone thinks it's, uh, you know, the other person. Um, and I was like, okay, it's going to end right here. That's a great ending. And then they do all this other stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is an even better ending. I thought so. I don't know how you felt, yeah. but I enjoyed it a lot.
1: I, I did enjoy it. I I liked the idea of they uh, of the Twilight Zone, the show setting up the scenario and then playing with it, rather than it being uh, something that happens and then there's a twist at the end. Uh-huh. Right. So I like that that they set up this scenario and let's play with this this uh, uh, this world where this guy can do this and what would happen in that situation. They gave him a very specific goal. I want this money. I need to get this money. I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to jump from body to body to body in order to get away with this money. Yeah. Even though he doesn't take the money out of the bag that's very distinctive. It's just like, throw the fucking bag away, put the money in a plastic bag. And nobody's going to notice. And just walk right? around. Yeah. They're following the bag, you moron. <laughs> get rid of the bag. It's true. Anyway, uh, I like that. The only thing I didn't like about this was that the uh, uh, the cop was the one his girlfriend was having an affair with.
0: I, I that was a bit
1: much. I get it. That is a little bit heavy on the coincidence, for sure. We didn't need that at all. Like we, he still could have been an actor, uh, in in that handsome body without having an affair with the girlfriend and ending up with her anyway.
0: Yeah, I suppose the I suppose the the idea of. I mean, we we needed him to be having trouble in his life, right? But did we need him to be having trouble in his relationship as well? Like, I I agree with you. It feels like it was a little hamfisted in just for that extra, you know, punch in the face kind of thing. Um, he could have been perfectly happy in his relationship and still been struggling enough with his career that it set him on this path. I get that. Um, but it wasn't the most egregious thing to me either in the world, right? It was it was a moment where. You know, he comes to the house, comes to the door and she opens it. And you realize that they know each other. It was like, oh my God. So
1: I get yeah. it. I see your I point liked it I liked it that the first thing out of his mouth was, you know him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know me? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'd be a very confusing thing to say. You know him? It's like you Wait, come in and you give your wife a hug and it's like, you know him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> Who else is here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah.
0: Good stuff. Um, and, you know, like in the last episode where I called out the funny bit with Coleman Domingo doing the accent, this episode had a funny moment too, I thought, right near the beginning when uh, Harry comes into the bank to rob it and the bank security guard is standing there playing around with a banana. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's he's, just like he's fiddling with the banana gun, right?
1: Well, it's just as, uh, you know, it's just as effective as the gun that uh, that he had, which was a cap gun. That's true. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But it's, I just thought it was a, a weird, funny scene. It's like, why, why
1: show that? Why show the the security guard fiddling with his lunch, sort of thing? But because bananas are funny. They are. I don't. Funny. Know, yeah. No matter what you do with a banana, it's funny. Slipping on the peel. You're playing with it like a phone. You're playing with it like a like a gun. Uh, bananas are funny. Monkeys play with bananas. They eat bananas. Uh, they eat bananas better than we do. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Ever watch a banana a, a monkey open up a banana? I think so. They open it up from the other end, not the big stemmy end that we always open the banana and squish the fucking thing and yeah, and uh, make a mess of it. They open it from the other end. Is that because it's easier? They can they can use the stem as a handle and just open the other end or something. Yeah, we'll watch see. It, watch a monkey eat a banana. They don't do it like we do. They do it better.
0: Well. Monkeys are smarter than us in a lot of ways. Probably,
1: I I think that uh, I think that they are. The, there's, there's, uh, they have examples of monkeys starting to use tools. Mm-hmm. Well, they've there you reached go. the Stone Age.
0: <laughs> before <laughs> you know it, man, they're going to catch right up to us at this rate. Yeah,
1: pretty soon we'll be able to put them to work. <laughs> oh, and then it'll all be over from there. <laughs> yeah, well, of course they're going to take over the planet. We've yeah we've we've seen this trend before. You know, <laughs> totally. Totally. Befriend monkey, give monkey banana, give monkey a job. Monkey takes over the world. Uh, humans get wiped out. Uh, Planet of the Apes.
0: I mean, I think that when the, uh, the those astronauts, uh, Bob and Doug, that, that Elon Musk shot up to the International Space Station, I think when they come back to Earth, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk has enough money to outfit everybody at NASA with a gorilla suit so that when they land back on Earth, the first people they see are all people in gorilla suits and We can tell them that, yeah, 2020 didn't go so well. Planet of the Apes
1: happened. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? (laughs) Smart. It would. All right. Why not a, uh, you know, a a massive joke?
0: (laughs) A huge, nothing like a good prank. Come on.
1: Those fuckers are still up there, aren't they?
0: Oh yeah, they're up there for a while. I don't know how long. What are they
1: doing? What do they do up there? Science stuff. Space stuff. Come on, it can't be that much science
0: to do. They gotta be bored. No, I'm sure there's tons of science. Would you be bored on the International Space Station?
1: I don't know. Probably. You get bored easily. <laughs> Maybe. There's
0: no TV to watch up here. What am I supposed to do? Look,
1: they'd have the internet. That's Obviously. not a big deal. They've had, they've had the, they have the internet, uh, to such a point where they've actually, uh, there's a, a crime has been committed on the, uh, international space station. An actual real life chargeable offense was committed up there. Uh, this woman, uh, was having, uh, marital issues with her girl, her wife, and, uh, logged into her wife's financial system through the internet. Uh, so basically, uh, fraudulently logged into her financial institution. And that is a crime. And she committed it on the International Space Station. That's exciting. Yeah. Kind of. Well, it was a while ago. I don't think it was relatively recent, but yep. First uh, official crime in space. Fun. Well, someone had to do it. Yeah. And then there was a hole put in the, uh, the Russian part of the International Space Station. Like all of a sudden there was like, they were losing oxygen and they're like, what the fuck? And they hunted around and everything and they found a hole in the, uh, in the, in the Russian portion of the, uh, space station and it was from the inside out. hmm uh, and the Russians never explained it. They're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you what happened. I see. What happened? I don't know. All Nobody right. knows.
0: I can only, I can't think of any reason a hole would be drilled in the side of the
1: space station. Well, you know, is there a lunatic up there that's trying to punch holes in the in the space station? Is there a gun up there? Maybe the gun went off accidentally. I don't know. Well, they're he, being very close-lipped about that. There's some weird shit going on up at that space station. I'm telling you. All right. Well, Bob and Doug better get out of there. Somebody needs to write a screenplay and make a movie out of it. Or a Twilight Zone episode. Or Twilight Zone. I think I would I could live with that.
0: I could do it. Or someone could do it. <laughs>
1: All right, there you go, everyone.
0: There's two more episodes of The Twilight Zone. So I um, hope you're uh, following along. I hope you're watching. Uh, I, it would be a bummer if you're listening to this and not watching, unless you really don't care about uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, It happens. Yeah,
1: it happens. But I hope you're- I in- listen to Film Sack, that podcast, all the time and never see the movies. Yeah, that's doesn't, fine. It doesn't matter. I still listen. It's I like the guys. It's up to you, exactly. So-
0: Um, but I hope you're enjoying our, our coverage of the Twilight Zone, uh, and we're going to keep doing it.
1: Cool. And, uh, just for the record, Mel Rodriguez. Yep. The first time I ever saw him, he played a cop in, uh, Panic Room back in 2002. Oh my gosh. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And he played, uh, Marco in, uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, Saul's friend back home that used to do cons with him. Oh, he did? That's right. That was him. Wow. Okay. So I saw him in that as well. Yeah. Not cop. So I've, you know, fully 50% cop now. Right, right, right. I've only seen him in four things. 50% of them has been cop. but his, uh, his IMDB list is huge. Well. So there's, there's a lot more to, uh, to, it's like hot in Cleveland, you know? Okay. You played uh, Hector on that show. I don't I, I've know. I've never seen, you should, you should check it out. It's It's really
0: crappy. <laughs> Great ringing endorsement <laughs> anyways Mel Rodriguez cool uh and he, he was good in this so yeah all right just before we wrap up here uh I would love to send out a thank you to a new Patreon subscriber on the show and that is well not a new one but uh Sarah C she recently upped her pledge on Patreon so a big thank Whoa. you to Sarah for doing that and you know That made me think that's something I don't really talk about here on the episode or on the podcast very much, is that if you become a patron by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead, you're not locked into anything. You can change it at any time. You can up it. You can lower it. You can cancel it. So, you know, if you make a pledge at Patreon for us and then you decide that it's, you know, not in your financial best interest that month, you can you can drop it down change it again later so it, it makes it very easy for you but it is a great way to help support the podcast become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead and if that's not your thing you can of course just make a contribution by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash paypal and uh firing a, a few bucks our way we really of course appreciate everyone who, who does that and who listens all of the money collected really goes into the costs of, of putting on the show, the hosting, the equipment, the, uh, you know, recording subscription cost stuff, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I store all of this audio that we record on a network attached storage device in my house on my network. And I'm the kind of guy who doesn't just store the final file, like the final edited file. I have uncompressed audio recordings for now, 491 episodes going back over 10 years, like WAV files, AIF files, the big ones, the big audio files, and of course all the project files too. So that adds up. And I'm getting to a point now where I'm running out of space again on my network mm-hmm. attached storage. So it's time to buy another hard drive and I'm going to have to go out and pick my Well, not probably not go out, but you know, surf over to the Amazon <laughs> and, uh, order myself another eight terabyte red Western digital drive to swap in there. So, um, that's, that that's pretty nice just the way it is. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. But, um, the point is, you know, this, everybody's little bit of help really, really is amazing and contributes to that kind of thing. Uh, so I can, you know, meet, feed my need to, uh, be able to go back to episode 14 and make a re-edit if I have to, <laughs> which, right. which I wouldn't wouldn't be able to, or wouldn't, be able to do if i didn't have all these files so uh that's that thank you so much to everyone that helps support us and uh, everything we do here yeah all right uh next time as i said off the top it'll only be about a week before we record next because we are going to record next friday night uh look up the date of next friday jason while i'm talking surely that is because that is the date of San Diego Comic-Con, all the Walking Dead panels. So 24th. 24th, Friday the 24th. Um, we're going to re- talk about those panels. We will talk about the season finale air date, which they're going to announce. But we're also going to still cover one more episode of The Twilight Zone. So that will be episode four of season two, and it's called Ovation. If for some reason you want to do a title read, that'd be great. I love title sure. reads. Um, Get us, get us that over in the next, uh, five or six days. It'd be wonderful. And of course, by then we will know what the plan for Walking Dead is, including all of the other shows. So we'll plan out the rest of our Twilight Zone coverage accordingly after that. Yeah. Um, again, it all sort of comes down to when The Walking Dead is going to be on and whatever else is happening. So hopefully we can finish the Twilight Zone over the next, uh, bunch of weeks because after next week we'll go back to doing probably two at a time and we'll just take it from there so more information to come excellent all right I'm excited yeah it's going to be good it's going to be good in the meantime if you want to get in touch obviously there's plenty of ways to do that visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com click on send voicemail at the top to send us a message you can also just record that into uh, recording software on your phone and email it to us that is a great way to do it Uh, The email address is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Even if it's not an audio recording, just send messages there. We love getting them, love reading them, and including them on the show when we can. Uh, Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead, where all our episodes are posted, and occasionally I post news as well. And who knows, if there's information about watching the panels next Friday that comes out in advance... Maybe you can find it there as well. So uh, check out our page on Facebook. Okay, we are done for the evening. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, my name is
1: Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.